The sun is out. It's here to stay. The Sun Bowl is the last game to play. Let's talk about it on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, it's Zach Anderson, the Oxheimer. Thanks for making Locked On UCLA your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcasts, and it's available on YouTube. So, let's rock and roll. we got a jam-packed show from everything from football, basketball, soccer. We're going through the list today, starting with UCLA selection and participation in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl in late December, December 30th, just the day before New Year's Eve, in a noon kickoff. I think Mountain Time, so 11 a.m. Pacific. Another Sun Bowl for the Bruins, which would mean probably, as many fans might think, a disappointing campaign for Chip Kelly's bunch. The Bruins will take on the Pitt Panthers, the first time those two teams have matched up in 50 years. So the significance of the game will simply be between two programs, Pitt program that's had some big-time heights throughout their days as a football program, just maybe not as much recently, and UCLA, who had big thoughts, big ideas, in the middle of the season towards the end before stumbling down the stretch in back-to-back weeks to find themselves at the end of the season in the Sun Bowl against a pit team that will probably be without their starting quarterback, Ian Slovis, in the transfer portal and probably will not play. UCLA so far, from what I've noticed, at least thus far, has not truly lost many guys to the transfer portal of major significance other than one Nicholas Barmira, which was interesting that their kicker punter has jumped into the portal, but rumor has it he's still supposed to play in the bowl game for Chip Kelly's bunch. Mum's the word on if UCLA will lose Charbonnet and DTR for the bowl game, even Bobo. We'll see if those guys decide to play or if this will be a game full of youngsters for how few and far between they might be on this roster to play this game against Pitt. Either way, it was up and down. Would it be the Vegas Bowl? A lot of people I was seeing on social media talking, oh, Vegas Bowl, have DTR go back home, play his last game as a Bruin, break more records and do it in front of home. And instead, they get put in the Sun Bowl in El Paso. And the joke is, well, will there be any UCLA fans that go to that game? Who knows? But either way, they should still be supported against a, a team in Pitt that is and 8-4, and 5-3 they finished in the ACC, they only play eight games out in the ACC. And their biggest accomplishments this season included coming from the likes of beating a ranked Syracuse team at the time, who did stumble down the stretch. They were able to take Tennessee to overtime. A very exciting early season win against West Virginia. Back and forth they went in a 38-31 win in a rivalry matchup between Pitt and West Virginia, where they won. And they took Tennessee to overtime at home and lost. And we saw how high... And how good Tennessee got before they themselves stumbled down the stretch. So in the end, Pitt should be a good game, one would have thought, if they have all their pieces and if Slovis decides to change his mind and come back. Well, we'll see what happens for the Pitt Panthers. You just never know what's going to happen for these bowl games. Who's going to play for these teams? You know, like, will DTR play? Mom's the word. Will the likes of... Zach Charbonnet play? Who knows? So far, Keaton Slovis this year. We'll get to the nitty-gritty of it all. 
but he had 2,300 yards, 10 touchdowns passing, but nine interceptions. And yet he's hitting the portal with guys who have not seen too much playing time behind him. So interesting move there. Remember Slovis, who played out at SC, went to the likes of Pitt. And we'll see how UCLA plays this. There's different ways. In the end, we'll get our thoughts. We're supposed to have uh, our, our dear beloved guest, our UCLA Hall of Famer, Ed Kazarian, in an upcoming episode where we will discuss more in depth what it's like to go through the, the full weeks and the grind leading up to a bowl game, even if it only is two weeks later or three weeks later following finals after the holidays, right before the New Year's, and how you get amped up to play a game where your best players might not even be playing, if not only on your own side, but on the opposite side, where Pitt, who knows, between all these bowl games you'll see, which has been the trend, guys, they're throwing their name in the portal, they are not going to play, or they're going to go declare for the draft, or they're just simply done with football. Regardless of the different multitude of reasons, UCLA is playing a, a, what could be at full strength, a good matchup against Pitt, where UCLA would be favored, as they already are with the early lines. And yet here the Bruins are in the Sun Bowl. Tony the Tiger, all the jokes, yada, yada, yada. But in the end, the Bruins, we have to be pretty much disappointed that after it was all said and done, it was the Sun Bowl for the Bruins, who could have finished in the possibility to play in the Pac-12 title game before everything, of course. In the end, fell down to not even get in an Alamo Bowl. Very unlikely that they would have been asked to go to the Holiday Bowl, and unlikely that they would have been asked to play at home in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl, right? So they go to El Paso, and we'll see what the motivation is to play, right? There's going to be so much movement in the portal, out of the portal, high school recruiting. There's big names in the portal, big names who are have yet to maybe commit to the portal, and maybe booms that from Ethan Young we haven't gotten yet. They're in the works for UCLA to build for the 2023 team, which has a lot to replace between DTR, Charbonnet, even Bobo is a big-name receiver. Got to fill the tight end spot. Can they, are the running backs they have already good to go? Well, those are all questions to be answered in the next coming weeks for UCLA as they get to take on Pitt. In a bowl game, Pac-12, ACC, soon to be Big Ten versus ACC, regardless of all that nonsense. And we'll find out how it all plays out. There's not too much to really prep for this matchup until we figure out, one, will DTR play? Who knows? He seems like a type of guy, in my mind, that would love to play. But does he want to play? And if he wants to continue moving on in different phases of his career, is that the right move for him? Is that the right move for Charbonnet, Bobo? On the defensive line, is Leatu Latu coming back? Or the Murphy, you know, there's different ways all these guys, these older guys, the veterans who are either playing their last football game of their career, whether they know it or not, whether it's guys who are prepared to go make it to a draft or be an undrafted guy or maybe go play in the CFL, there's just different ways this game could go. And we don't know those aspects yet. But in the end, UCLA is given the Sun Bowl against Pitt, which would be a fun match if everybody played a game UCLA should win and a probably decent fun back and forth game because bowl games, you never know, ranked teams go down all the time to teams that are unranked. So Pitt would be a good matchup. We just have to figure out who's playing, who's not playing, and what the significance is. It's intriguing for UCLA either way. How many records can DTR break? Can Charbonnet run for 5 billion yards? Or will it be the youngsters, the guys who maybe have a chance to earn their jobs, their starting spots for the 2023 campaign? against a pretty stout ACC school in the Pitt Panthers, who they themselves are trying to have 
20 wins over a two-year stretch for the first time since the early 80s when Dan Marino was the quarterback. UCLA is looking to win this game and tie their program record for wins in a single season, albeit in 13 games, but they can try and do that and get a 10th win for the first time in about seven, eight years, where they did a couple times with Jim Moore. Can they do it with Chip Kelly? There's been various opinions on, is he building the program? Is he crumbling the program from within internally? All questions we'll find out in the next couple of weeks based on the recruits, the transfer portal, and how this ever-changing landscape of college football will affect the Bruins. Either way, 11 a.m. Pacific the El- in El Paso. They get the Sun Bowl. Tony the Tiger, Sun Bowl, as UCLA will take on Pitt. More thoughts as we lead up to the week and more recruiting thoughts throughout the Locked On UCLA week. In the end, not the not what we could have expected, right? But some, you know, naysayers would have said, hey, that's where the Bruins would have been. Either way, the Bruins have a chance to go after, go after their program record tying win as they seek their 10th win of the season. You know what you should seek? You guys should seek some Omaha Steaks. Before we get to basketball, let me tell you about Omaha Steaks. The holidays are here. You can achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together a special curated gift package to help take the guesswork out of gift gifting and make you a holiday hero. Trust me, I haven't even started shopping. My family and friends, eh, we'll, we'll see what happens. You never know. Just go to omahasteaks.com, use the code Locked On to get $30 off your order. They've got an assortment of mouth-watering favorites you can impress, whether it's their legendary butcher's cut filet mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers. I love me a juicy burger. And they're easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Again, beat the beat the rush. Get your order shipped in right away. Go to omahasteaks.com. Promo code locked on at checkout to get $30 off your order. As you can see on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, go check it out. To get from the heart, it'll be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Just use promo code locked on at checkout. Extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Moving on to basketball, UCLA technically back in the top 20 overall. They move up to 19, depending on which rankings you use. If you see Ken Palm or different rankings, net rankings, UCLA higher, lower, whatever it is. Mick Cronin's bunch here unlocked on UCLA gets through their first week of Pac-12 play unscathed. And one could say, all right, you didn't know how the Bruins were going to go into Stanford in their true first road game of the season and play. And Stanford, we didn't really know what they were like and how they would play, and the Bruins go in and get a win. And then at home, a matinee affair on a Sunday, early December, where maybe not everybody's ready for Pac-12 play, right? But the Bruins come through, and they take take care of business against Oregon. So let's get to it. We're going to start by talking about the Stanford game. UCLA jumped out 17-0 against the Cardinal, against a team... That was already under 500 at that point. Bruins start at 17-0 against the Cardinal. Then they jump out to a 32-9 lead at one point, including a 50-29 lead at the half. Stanford all of a sudden jumps out of the break, turns the Bruins over so many times that the Bruins overall against the Cardinal, 16 turnovers. Stanford from 21 down, got it to a 12-point game immediately coming out of the half. Even late, this game was 66-58. to 58. 
or a team like the Bruins put it out of reach and the Cardinals crept close enough to make it, uh, who knows, but UCLA was still in control, eventually beating the Cardinal 80-66. to Jaime Hawkins Jr., who at one point, despite scoring 27 points on only 17 shots, went 10 minutes without a shot and without getting an opportunity and a look at the basket. I remember the, the broadcast saying, and, you know, maybe that's not exactly what you want when you had Jaime Hawkins Jr., who was that hot tonight, not getting the good looks or getting enough looks when he was red hot. Should have probably put it in a 30-piece. The eyes were really wide open for Amari Bailey. As you can see, the light bulbs, they're clicking on inside his freshman college basketball mind where nine shots, 19 points, six rebounds. The one bugaboo for Amari Bailey was seven turnovers. But Bailey, with 19 points, picking up the slack and figuring it out, at least in that Stanford game, we'll get to his second half against Oregon in a moment, figuring it out. Campbell, 17 points, eight assists, four turnovers, and UCLA figured thing out. It was Jalen Clark, who was also returning to the starting five, if you remember, coming off illness, didn't have much of an impact in the Stanford game, albeit that was still a couple days removed from him being sick. And he talked about it post-game against Oregon, the chills, the usual flu-like symptoms, but he was unavailable for Bellarmine, and then down a way to get in that Stanford starting lineup. Not a true impact, and we did see Adembona foul out, still looking to figure out the right ways to move in the paint and be effective without getting into foul trouble. So either way, the Bruins handled Stanford. Overall, UCLA with 36 points in the paint, shot decent from three, six of 14, hit their free throws, shot 60% overall, and held Stanford to just 45% from the field. Not exactly crazy numbers, but overall, the Bruins turned over the Cardinal 17 times and scored 27 points off those turnovers. So what's lacking for the Bruins isn't the necessary fact that they weren't turning over the Cardinal or necessarily Oregon for that match and scoring off of it. It's the bench points and bench production for UCLA in the first couple of games. So against Stanford, what did UCLA do? They got in the paint, but they had nine bench points out of 80 points overall. The offensive depth isn't there. And mind you, they still have the defense with the Jalen Clark, who wasn't even feeling 100% in the Stanford game. So let's move to that Oregon game, where Oregon, who was battle-tested, if you remember, they had played Houston, they had taken on UConn, who was a top-10 team. If you listen to Bill Walton, he said UConn was the best team he had seen that season, this season, in person. And then they would beaten a Villanova team, or played Villanova, lost to UC Irvine. So Oregon had been pretty much battle-tested. And what did the Ducks do? Well, they raced out against the Bruins and took a six-point lead, 27-21. Mind you, UCLA has already looked around the Pac-12. They've seen Arizona with a road loss at Utah. Some interesting matchups up and around the rest of the conference. And for a Bruins team that had not beaten Oregon since before COVID, since 19, February of 19, Jalen Clark, all these longtime Bruins really feeling, hey, we want and need to beat Oregon. And finally, they did. Spoiler alert, if you've missed everything on Sunday, Bruins were down six at the half, 27-21. Jaime Hawkins Jr. in a bit of foul trouble, wasn't on the floor. We are listening to Bill Walton, if you were. Might be Josh Lewin, if you're listening on the radio. Bill Walton going up and down, absurd all over the broadcast, as he lovingly does. Bruins down six, immediately turned it around in the second half and had the lead before you blink. They came back with a wrecking force, the likes of Amari Bailey, 14 points. No, pretty good. Uh, what was the 
important for him. He had 14 points all in the second half. Bailey in the first half, 0 of 3, three turnovers, and two personal fouls. In the second half, what did Bailey do? 7 of 9. Hey, does that number ring a bell? That's exactly what he did for the entirety of the Stanford game to put in 19 points. Bailey then against Oregon, 7 of 9, 14 second half points, and no turnovers, had a rebound, and figured things out for the Bruins as one of those highlight guys, right? When Bailey figures it out, this Bruins team, albeit maybe not so deep, scoring up and down the roster from one all the way to their first or maybe third guy off the bench, right? But the Bruins got big scoring, slightly diversified around the roster between one, Bailey getting his 14, Clark feeling a little bit better, right? Not his most efficient night shooting, but Jalen Clark puts in 14, Jaime Hawkins Jr. with 12 points, Tiger Campbell with 10. And all right, those are the majority of the starters for UCLA getting their business, handling business. But then off the bench, you have to like Dylan Andrews. In nine minutes, six points when he needed some. Got a nice runner in the lane. Kenneth Nuba, four points in 19 minutes, but five rebounds. And then David Singleton hitting another triple, playing 25 minutes off the bench with five points and a couple of rebounds. What was the reason UCLA came back against Oregon? Was it the fact that they played so much better in the second half, outscoring the Ducks 44-29 to against Oregon? Did they hold Nafali Dante, who is one of the biggest threats for the Oregon Ducks, to nine points? Well, that's true. They had him turn it over five times. And Will Richardson, who put in 13 and had five assists, he turned it over five times. UCLA overall scoring 16 points off Oregon's 15 turnovers. Did UCLA shoot the three ball well? Not particularly compared to Oregon. The game was won and lost solely on rebounding the basketball. UCLA shot 8%, 8% worse from the field than the Ducks did. Forty not Oregon shot practically 50% from the field. Atrocious from three, but they got in the paint, which is what they do, and they can score with the best of them. Oregon, in their first Pac-12 win, had put in 52 points, I believe, out of 74 in the paint against Washington State. And again, that was tied at the half. Against the Ducks, well, the Bruins... Didn't allow that much success, considering they only allowed 56 points overall, but the rebounding was key to it. The Bruins out-rebounded Oregon by 11. And for a team, when you get outshot, normally the team who outshoots you is going to win the rebounding battle because simply when you're missing shots, the other team has more opportunity for defensive rebounds. No, no, no. UCLA against Oregon had 16 offensive rebounds, 16 to move forward and get how many second-chance points? 13. How many second-chance points did Oregon get? Four. So if you do the quick math, 13 minus four is nine. UCLA won 65, 56. They won by nine. That big difference, including Oregon down the stretch, missing seven of eight shots, where it was a bit closer than the nine-point margin down the stretch. UCLA ends up winning this largely in part due to the likes of bench scoring, 15 to 8. Bruins getting more bench scoring in a lower scoring game, mind you, but 15 points out of 65 is much better than 9 out of 80. So the bench played key roles in certain parts to kind of keep it close enough for the starters to come back in and get that win. But in large part, it was 36 total rebounds to Oregon's 25 and 11 more 
offensive rebound. 16 to 5, the Bruins crashed the glass. The Bruins had four different guys with five rebounds and two more with four. So it wasn't like it was one individual above the rest. It was an entire team committed effort, which is exactly what a Mick Cronin team does. Move forward, do what they need to do, and get the rebound and play it well. So the Bruins did what they needed to do. They're 2-0 in Pac-12 play and then find themselves eh, not so bad a footing moving forward into Pac-12 play. They had the week off. They get to play Denver, and then the big one, too, at Maryland in a neutral site cross-country game against Kentucky before rounding out the non-conference home schedule against Davis right before Christmas Day. UCLA, all right, they're top 19. They keep rocking and rolling. And the Bruins overall 7-2, 2-0 in conference, and still, most importantly, 6-0 at home and get that elusive win these last few years against the Oregon Ducks. That's how they do it, and let's go Bruins. Before we talk about the soccer team, who's about to play in an epic national title game against North Carolina, we'll get to all that in just a moment, just know that at Locked On UCLA, we believe home should be where you and your family feel the safest, especially over the holidays. This season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system. Simply Safe, and right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On UCLA listeners and viewers on YouTube 40% off a new security system, but don't put this off. Just know that Simply Safe was the best home security system of 2022 named by US News and World Report a third year in a row. You can't do that over and over again without doing that successfully. An emergency 24/7 professional monitoring agents, they use their fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe that can help you get priority police response to verify that that threat is real. It helps the police know, "Hey, that threat is real. Let's go get it." They can say, "Hey, with the top-rated app, you can Lock your doors, disarm the alarms, unlock for guests, cameras, adjust system settings anytime from anywhere. Don't miss your chance to say big on what should be your favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. 40% off. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Well, the Bruins, here they are, the UCLA women. We talked about the women's basketball team last week in their very close, narrow loss to South Carolina. Today, for our final segment of Locked On UCLA, we are highlighting the women's soccer team, who's been outstanding all season long. Regardless of if they've been mentioned or not here on this show, they've been amongst the top one, two, three. They're the shortlist for best team in the country. And while it took a late loss against USC to maybe knock them off that top perch, UCLA just coming off a College college Cup semifinal beatdown of Alabama in Cary, North Carolina, where they beat the Crimson Tide 3-0 to vault themselves into the national championship game against North Carolina. And mind you, let's set the stage for you guys, right? For UCLA, they're taking on a North Carolina team that has dominated women's soccer for decades. This is North Carolina's 27th national championship appearance. If you didn't know, how UCLA is known for men's basketball dominance, right? They've won the most titles, yada, yada, yada. North Carolina, they've won 22, or they've won 21 national championships. They're looking for their 22nd. UCLA, in limited, much more limited appeal, they've won 
one, and they're looking for their second, while North Carolina is looking for their 22nd. So for the Bruins, how are they trying to change things for their first-year head coach in the likes of Marguerite Awazasa, who's looking to only become the fourth coach, female coach ever to win a national championship in the NCAA Women's Soccer Day and Age? Well, large portion of that is because North Carolina has a legendary coach in his own right who has coached them, the Tar Heels, for so long. It's Anson Dorrance, who has won 21 titles with North Carolina, which has led to far and few between titles for most. But Marguerite is trying to find a way to help the Bruins, who so far this year are 21-2-1. 21 wins, a couple of losses, one draw against North Carolina's 20 wins, four losses, and one draw. Both teams coming off very big wins. North Carolina beat their ACC foe, Florida State, 3-2 in the pri- in the semifinal preceding the UCLA and Alabama game. And then North Carolina says, all right, they're looking for another title. They haven't won one in a little bit. It's been about a decade since the Tar Heels have won. They've lost in the national title game a couple of times in 18 and 19. But who are the two people on each side that are the leading scorers to maybe take a look at? Not exactly X factors, but these are the leading scorers. For UCLA, this is where you have to look at for their roster in terms of, all right, who are their leading scorers? Who are the people to look out for? Well, Sunshine Fontes for UCLA, 11 goals, leading point getter, 29 points, two points per goal, and one point for an assist. Most goals and close to the lead in the te- for the team in assist. That's a player to look out for for UCLA. Then Raylan Turner, who's got 10 goals, seven game-winning goals of her 10 and three assists. Raylan Turner... When UCLA played North Carolina almost three months ago to the day, these two teams have already played back in September, September 4th. Mind you, the women's soccer side, they get started in close to the middle of August, and the season culminates on December 5th at a 3 p.m. kickoff in Cary, North Carolina. Well, it was Raylan Turner and the Bruins who came back to beat North Carolina, UNC, way back in September on the road, if you remember, after that epic road trip where they beat Duke 2-1, and then they came back to beat North Carolina a couple of days later in a Durham-Chapel Hill 1-2 punch-kill combo right there as the Bruins went from respected to immediately number one in the country for the majority of the season. So under their first-year head coach, are they going to try and do what? Uh, you never know. Last year, the Bruins were bounced in the first round, shockingly. As practically, they don't exactly seed it like this in the in the soccer tournaments, but kind of as a two fifteen, losing to UC Irvine, who ironically enough just went and bounced USC this year in the first round. Bye bye. In the meantime, the Bruins looking to turn things around from you know a first round exit, a disappointing exit last year, into a national championship. So this is a team in UCLA that's already beaten the team that's in front of them. But what did North Carolina just do? They lost their regular season finale to Florida State, and they turned around and beat them in women's soccer's de facto Final Four in the College Cup semifinal. So for the Bruins to claim the College Cup, they've got to try and beat North Carolina. And if you remember the word carry North Carolina, it's interesting because that's only where they're going to play the final. The city is 21 miles away from the campus of UNC. That's not even a 30-minute drive if you're not including traffic. I'm not exactly well-versed in the traffic of North Carolina, whether there is or isn't from L.A., You know, (laughs) I think everything's traffic. Either way, in North Carolina, they're going to have the home field advantage. Being so close to the field, 
So we'll expect so many more Tar Heel fans than Bruins fans, although they could surprise me. And for the Bruins, it's going to come down to who can strike first. A lot of these games, sometimes, especially in finals over the last few years, they can go to penalty kicks, they go to overtime. These teams are so evenly matched up and down the field, and especially with them already having played once this year, you just wonder what the game plan changing happens from looking at the tape from three months ago to now. Reminder, UCLA was down in that second half, got a 61st-minute goal from Lexi Wright, and then Raylan Turner got the winner in about the 84th minute. So in a soccer championship that no longer has golden goal, they got rid of that in the NCAA ranks this year, UCLA has been arguably, if not the best, one of the best, and you have the most storied program in women's soccer in North Carolina, who they themselves, kind of like a UConn last few years, right, in women's basketball, who hasn't really had won the last couple of years, albeit that's a mini drought for them. North Carolina is on a decade-long drought. They're feeling, hey, we want to win one for Coach Dorrance, who plays for North Carolina, where they play, at a field named after their own head coach, for how legendary he's been and instrumental to the women's soccer collegiate game. For UCLA, they're finding ways to get goals, win games, and the only two times the Bruins lost this season were when they were shut out. So most importantly, it's for the Bruins get on the score sheet. Some way, somehow, they were shut out 1-0 against Stanford on the road, shut out 2-0 at USC in the regular season finale on the road. And now here they are, not exactly on the road, but in a neutral site environment that is right next to North Carolina's campus, practically in a less than 30-minute drive, depending on the traffic coming from that campus for this game. UCLA has a clear enough chance to win this. Could only have their the fourth-ever female coach to win an NCAA championship for women's soccer. You can a first-year coach, and for the Bruins, looking for their second-ever national championship, first one in nearly nine years. Can they do it? Oh, absolutely. They've got so many stars who I didn't even get to on this episode. We'll talk a little bit more in depth going through it after in the reaction of this national championship game. But tune in. It's at 3 p.m. Pacific, December 5th. And I think the Bruins feel welcome from far away, knowing that the Tar Heel fans will probably overrun the stadium being so close. Bruins, Tar Heels, edge might be to the Bruins, but you never know. Soccer, as I've talked to many coaches this year, can be a brutal sport. Even if you play better, then, you know, you could still lose. The Bruins largely dominated against North Carolina. They had 10 corner kicks to North Carolina's one. Outshot North Carolina 16-7 to in the match three months ago in front of the largest crowd UCLA's played in front of this whole season, except for the semifinal they played a couple of days ago. So this will be highly anticipated, extremely physical, emotional, tensions will be tight, and can the Bruins crack the scoreboard first? Can they do that first and maybe get the pressure off themselves against a North Carolina team that wants to win for their head coach that hasn't won in nearly 10 years? And the Bruins win their second one ever against the storied women's soccer program. Those questions will be answered. That's why we got to get our hands up for an A-clap, baby. To wrap up Locked On UCLA, go check out Locked On Sports today. Make that your second listen. Thanks for making Locked On UCLA your first listen each and every day. Put your hands up, everybody. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U-C-L-A. UCLA. Fight, fight, fight. Beat the Tar Heels. Win the Natty. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. Let's go. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.